the American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must eat America back. Main Street to Wall Street, cities and states, Washington D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long. We need leaders who lead us, not stick us and bleed us, then ransom our future and our children's. That's wrong. We must eat America back as liberty weeps. Our forefathers spin in their graves. Pray God will bless some way out of this mess. We must take America back. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the National Intel Report. I am your host, John Statmiller, with you on this Monday. <sighs> A COVIDy tenth day of May 2020. I'm sorry. What? The 18th. I'm just trying to wish the COVID virus away, Mike. That's my producer talking. You guys can't hear him. At any rate, I've got a guest on today. Uh, Steve Elkins will be joining me tomorrow. He's down on the beach, hopefully in Florida, listening to the show right now, uh, celebrating his wife's birthday. I didn't tell him that you only get to take off it's your birthday, but, you know, hey, what can I tell you? At any rate, my registered nurse down there is having fun on the beach right now. So that gave me an opportunity to schedule a guest, which I attempted to do last Friday. He was too busy for that, but he agreed to be here today. And it is a man by the name of Lance LaRusso, the LaRusso Law Firm, uh, and I'm reading right off of his uh, website here, Standing Up for First Responders. He's a civil litigator with a law enforcement background. And what he does, he focuses his practice on critical incident and media response. Catastrophic personal injury, tractor trailer wrecks, and you, you know the, the rest of that. At any rate, he's represented over 80 officers on, uh, on duty shootings or in custody deaths. He has lectured on deadly force and other topics to law enforcement officers for more than 25 uh, from more than 25 states, half the country, several federal agencies, and international police associations. He has been a firearms instructor for 25 years, serves as a use of force expert, and regularly consults with attorneys defending law enforcement officers in the use of force and criminal cases brought against them in the performance of their duties. He holds an undergraduate degree from Emory University, master's degree from Kennesaw State University, and if Kennesaw sounds familiar to you folks, years ago, Kennedy, the city of Kennesaw, Georgia, passed their little resolution. You want to live in our town? Buy a gun. <laughs> uh, crime right there, it's not even reported. I think they forgot how to spell it, even. At any rate, um, he graduated with honors from Georgia State University College of Law. He's licensed to practice in Georgia, Tennessee, and Arkansas. 
It's what we say down here in Texas. It ain't Arkansas. It's Arkansas. His books, When Cops Kill, about use of force incidents, uh, incidents rather, and blue news covering police and media response, were written to raise money for law enforcement charities. So with all of that, I give you Mr. Lance LaRusso. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, um, I, um, I don't make it a habit. I've interviewed uh, judges before, and I've interviewed lawyers. I, I usually don't go there, but uh, your booking guy said, uh, I think you might find this guy pretty interesting. So I said, okay, we'll give this a shot. Now, first off, how long were you a cop? About 12 years, and uh, I'm still involved in law enforcement, either training law enforcement officers or keeping certifications current. So I've been involved one way or another since 1988. Okay. And and, uh, you've been practicing law since when? 1999. 1999. What made you you, uh, do the career switch there? I love the law. I taught uh, criminal procedure and a lot of uh, law in uh, the police academy when I was a trainer. And there's just something about the law that just fascinates me, whether it's constitutional law or the intersection of law and public policy. Uh, First Amendment law, you know, that's what Blue News came out of, was just explaining how law enforcement and the media interact, and also the way that uh, the law looks at use of force, whether it's by private citizens in self-defense or law enforcement officers making an arrest. It's just fascinating to me. And I'm actually closer to 100 officers I've represented in officer-involved shootings now and uh, critical incidents for uh, in-custody deaths. Well, and there has been, um, how should I say, I remember a little incident that happened in St. Louis, Missouri about six years ago involving an officer. And that thing took off. I'm talking, of course, about Michael Brown that was actually on video in a party store stealing cigars uh, he and his friend walking down a street, police officers driving by, just simply tells the guys, hey, guys, please don't walk in the street, walk in the sidewalk. That led to a series of events and Michael Brown's death. But the way the news presented this news story was that, well, there was just some white cop that went after this black kid and shot him for no reason at all. And that was the narrative. That was the narrative Lance, that was constantly through the liberal media. And then the facts of the case started to come out. And I, my only question was, I much would have preferred taking the guy's kneecaps off so he couldn't have done anything to me. I was not there. I don't know what reaction time this officer had, but I, I have a real problem with drawing a weapon and killing somebody because they're not obeying an order, a lawful order. Now, I'm sure you're you're more than aware, Lance, of the hype that comes with a lot of these incidences. Correct? Yeah, but that's not what happened with Michael Brown. Michael Brown actually took, uh, tried to take custody of the officer's weapon. Right. The first round that fired was inside the car. It was a press contact wound to Michael Brown's hand. The second round that was fired was also inside the car. So he wasn't disobeying orders. He was trying to kill the police officer. Six months before, there was an officer named David Smith who was killed in a similar fashion when he was disarmed in his patrol car in upstate New York. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, the idea of shooting someone in the kneecaps, I, I've been a firearms instructor for over 30 years for law enforcement. I was one of the top 20 police shooters in the state of Georgia for six years running. And hitting somebody in the kneecaps is just Hollywood. Yeah. You start talking about you, you're aiming at the largest available target so you don't hit an innocent bystander. No, I no, I, I got you. And as I alluded to, as the facts of the case came out, and that was all eventually made public, but it was the knee-jerk reaction, and basically the birth of Antifa in this country, which was doubly scary. Here were a bunch of people yeah. that ran around masked, and I, I don't know what happened here, Lance. I'm going to get your take on this, that these guys would show up at protests, do all sorts of nasty things, beat up on people, uh, property damage, smash windows, things of that nature. And pretty much the police were told, hands off, don't arrest these guys. Now, I, I don't know about you, but if that's happening in my town, and I'm seeing the Round Rock police just stand around with their thumbs, you know, I don't know, and there's somebody committing crimes and they're not being arrested, I, I would have a problem with the, uh, with the police for, for not taking action. And, and that leads me up, I, I don't want to put you on the spot with that one, but we have a lot of police in this country right now that don't know what to do. They're getting conflicting signals here. They're told that, okay, we've got this, you know, hover-in-place stuff, and we've got to, you know, you've got to stand six feet apart and all this other COVID-19, we, we're going to protect you stuff going on. And quite frankly, the cops don't know what to do. Now, Supreme Court cases are coming out. Um, the one in uh, Wisconsin the other day that said, wait a minute, these EOs and all this stuff, you, you, you get on the laundry list of how many rights that violates of American citizens under the guise of their protection. Now, Lance, what's your thoughts on this? Well, the interesting thing about Antifa is they don't generally come to Georgia because, first of all, they're not protesters, they're rioters. Right. When you start breaking the law, you're not exercising your First Amendment rights. But Georgia has a statute uh, that was designed to uh, disrupt the Klan. You can't conceal your face in public. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting with all the masks, all the cops <laughs> that I know are, like, shaking their heads. Now, there's a uh, there's a, an exception, obviously, if there's a, a pandemic or if it's a Halloween thing like that. Um, but, yeah, Antifa is problematic. Part of the problem that you have with officers not doing anything, uh, some of them are ordered not to do it. But the second is if you have 500 people committing crimes at the same time, you can, you know, maybe arrest 10 of them. Uh, but that's that's part of the issue. So far as the, uh, you know, the orders, the question comes, you know, what are the what's the authority of a government to issue any type of an order? So you mentioned earlier about Kennesaw, mm-hmm. um, and I actually policed uh, for the county police, but Kennesaw was in our jurisdiction. Right. And, uh, you know, Kennesaw passed that ordinance, and it was a lawful ordinance um, in their legislative authority. They passed it in response to a uh, city in uh, Illinois called Morton Grove, Illinois, that uh, decided that the uh, Second Amendment didn't exist there, so they banned firearms. I don't even know what happened with them, but it was a, a reaction to that. And that, that ordinance is still on the books. So when you have a, a law that's passed, there is a period where there's going to be a constitutional challenge by somebody. And something very, very innocuous, just to give you an example, 
in Georgia, there was a uh, Supreme Court order that said all statute of limitations are told because the courts are closed. Somebody will eventually challenge that, whether the uh, judge had the authority to put their signature on that. And statutes are, are challenged all the time based on that. One of the famous cases in Georgia, and it kind of gets to this intersection you're talking about, of free speech and constitutional rights, Georgia had a uh, bumper sticker law that you could not have an obscene bumper sticker. And eventually that was held to be unconstitutional and a violation of the First Amendment. So if you look at all of the oaths that law enforcement officers take, they'll vary here and there, but there's not much of a dime's worth of difference between any of them. Essentially what they're saying is that they will uphold the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of their state, and fair and faithfully discharge the duties of an officer enforcing the law. Now, in the past, we've looked at uh, domestic violence cases, for example. So we had an intersection where the officer was not able to discharge their duties um, probably 25 years ago when the woman wouldn't prosecute in a domestic violence case. Well, the courts came back in and said, you know, that not only places the officers in a bad position, it places the woman who's been abused in a bad position where they are deprived of their 14th Amendment rights. The statute was changed, and then the officers were allowed to make arrests. So if we look at that from a 10,000-foot view, what happened there was the officers were wanting to make the arrest, would have been justified morally in making the arrest, but the law hampered them, and they were not able to fair and fairly and impartially administer the law to protect that female. So now what we have are these emergency orders that are put in place, and they are restricting people's uh, rights of movement, uh, their ability to travel freely. Uh, traveling freely upon our roads and in our, sta- in our states is a very sacred uh, part of our constitutional rights. Um, in addition, you have people that want to go protest at the state house and say, we think these are illegal. Well, if you have to stand six feet apart and you can't have a gathering of more than 10 people, that interferes with your First Amendment right to peacefully assemble. And as happens uh, in our society, we see this in everything from loud party calls to um, everything else that law enforcement officers are asked to do. Uh, we, the, uh, the government said, well, you know, we'll just send the police out there to enforce these. And the problem is law enforcement officers take their oath very seriously. They take their constitutional obligations very seriously. And this is the reason I use that example. Just why, just the same reason why it affected them to not be able to arrest the abuser of that um, domestic violence victim, they well, sat there saying, we've got to safeguard the rights of people to be able to peacefully assemble, not send them home. Well, I, that, that I understand. But in the case where there's assault, and by the way, it's just not all women are assaulted. <laughs> there are cases out Absolutely. there where men get assaulted as well. I've, I have arrested many a female for uh, abusing a, a man <laughs> um, with a smile I've, on my face. Yeah, well, and, and okay, in an instant instance like this, now I, I know that the police were reticent with getting involved in domestic issues. I get that. But if it's a clear case of here are two people, one's out of breath, drunk as a skunk, the other one's standing there, can't catch their breath, and they're bleeding. Uh, wouldn't it indicate to you the who the aggressor was and, and then arrest that person? 
you know, I, I, it absolutely would. The problem was at the time, if the officer did not witness it and the victim didn't want to prosecute, they were powerless. That's why I made the parallel to what we're seeing now. It's the reverse. We have officers being called to enforce orders that conflict with the constitutional rights of the right. people who the police are being called on. So it's a big dichotomy for the officers. Now, personally, I think officers have better things to do than make sure people are going the right way down the aisles at grocery stores. And that's a philosophical uh, issue. Do, we have wait, wait, a wait, 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 wait a minute here, Lance. Do you, do you have a working camera in my studio? Because I have up on my screen here uh, from BitChute a woman that was complaining she was just driving by and city workers are out there painting orange arrows down one sidewalk because the city mayor thought it would be a good idea uh, to have two-way traffic uh, divided by the street. Oh, it's fantastic, as long as the mayor wants to get out there and tell people not to walk on the wrong arrow. Well, and, and I just think law enforcement officers should be doing something different. Well, you, you and I both, uh, because as you've stated yourself, that, you know, since the 60s, uh, law enforcement has gotten a raw deal. You know, when I was a kid, and I was a kid of the 60s, and I happen to actually remember the 60s, but when I was a kid, I wasn't a criminal, but I was kind of a rabble-rouser, a little hot-rodder, or whatever the case may be. And from time to time, I would pop up on the cop's radar, so to speak. And But it was nothing. I was never treated disrespectfully. No matter if I disrespected that police officer, they were calm and quiet in their approach. If there was a reason to arrest, they would. If they weren't, they would just pack up and leave. But that's the time when we used to refer to these guys, Mr. LaRusso, as being peace officers, not law enforcement. You know, the Judge Dredd kind of thing. Are, they, are these guys being put in positions that you're comfortable with it looking 10, 15 years down the road? that these guys are going to be able to perform a duty? And there seems to be a little mix-up here of what's constitutional and what isn't. Well, it's interesting. In most states, well, a lot of states, they are still called peace officers. In Georgia, it's a basic peace officer certification. Um, so, you know, the problem is that we have heaped upon law enforcement obligations that have nothing to do with enforcing the law. Nothing. We, uh, The community policing uh, is a great concept. I was a community policing officer. That's just part of officers being part of the community. Those are the things they would do anyway. But it's no longer just, you know, let's have a community policing division. It's let's get involved and put on law enforcement officers the obligation to keep kids out of gangs. A laudable goal, but maybe some professional athletes, instead of complaining about law enforcement officers, should use their celebrity status to try to keep kids out of gangs. You know, we have situations where we're, we're pressing officers to solve problems created by poverty, and they're not designed to do that. It's not in their wheelhouse. It's not on their utility belt, if you will. There's no magic button for that. Are there times... Well, we've got a break here. My guest, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Lance LaRusso. He's got a law firm. LaRusso Law Firm, and he's written a couple of books. We're going to have the time. You can shout out about his books as well. But I'm very glad to have an ex-cop and a lawyer that defends cops on this particular issue. I wouldn't want to be in that thin blue line today on the streets of America, would you?
This is too good to be true, except this time it is real. 100%. No joke. How about a $25,000 membership to Front Sight Firearms Training Facility as a thank you bonus for a one-time donation to RBN of only $500? It is a Commander Lifetime membership with no yearly fees or dues. The training is free for the rest of your life with over 50 different classes. Then leave it to your designated beneficiary. You provide the approved firearm, holster, ammo, eye, and ear protection. Many features and bonuses are included, more than you would ever expect or believe. This is the ultimate graduation present, wedding gift, etc., etc. See the details. Go to RBN's webpage and frontsite.com to make it happen. You will hear this offer only on this radio network. Help keep RBN alive. Tell five. Folks, we're living in a world the likes of which we've never perceived any clearer than we do now. The plan for global governance has been in the works for generations and would have likely been achieved by now, but for the fact that the globalists left open their Achilles heel. With all their tools, Federal Reserve System, fiat currency, no child left behind, and then common core education introduced to our schools to dumb us down, vaccines, pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing, knowledge. And knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcasting Network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic Broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself, what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? Like public broadcasting, we are now finding we can only survive with listener support. Censorship, advertisers being attacked, truth itself being attacked. It's the only way through this. We at Republic Broadcasting humbly ask you to become a supporter. Look at your budget and make a determination of what Republic Broadcasting is worth to you and what you can afford on a monthly basis. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and pledge 20, 30, 40, 50, if possible, 100 a month or more if it's affordable. Click the Donate button and become a regular monthly donor. Assure both us and yourself that Republic Broadcasting Truth will continue to flow like that morning coffee. The network thanks you. have with us today a gentleman that's taken seriously defending police officers out there and are there cases Lance that you see that you go what the heck was this cop thinking in the use of deadly force yeah sometimes we look at them and and part of the problem is that we're looking at a small section of video um, so, you know, there's a United States Supreme Court case called Graham versus Connor that says we have to look at the officer 
without the benefit of hindsight, the officer's action without the benefit of hindsight, and we have to examine their actions from the perspective of a reasonable police officer, not a reasonable person, because officers have different training than the average person. And part of the problem is people show me a video, and the video, uh, even a body camera, will never show you the officer's view. It has a distorting fisheye lens to get more of an angle, so it distorts distance. It also has no peripheral vision. The camera also does not move with the officer's eyes. And more importantly, the camera doesn't focus on a threat to the exclusion of everything else. So a lot of times we look at a video and we say, what was the officer thinking? I want to know what the officer truly was thinking. I want to know what was going through their mind. What was their dispatch information prior to their arrival? Or their history with the suspect. A lot of times that happens, too. They recognize the person. Has this society changed that drastically? Because when I was growing up, I very, very, very few times did we ever hear of an officer involved shooting with a citizen. I mean, it just, it it just didn't happen. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a small town, but it was a resort town, Sandusky, Ohio. You know, in the summertime, you had people crawling all over the place, people coming from all over the country. And we really, really never had that many problems, even, even with the influx of people coming in from out of state. But the attitude has changed. Um, one, of the, one of the issues that I have, and I'd, I'd like you to address this from your experience and talking with many officers that you have, is the no-knock search warrants. Now, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, sir, but my understanding of this, it basically happened out of California, L.A. to be more specific, where the idea was that, well, we got a lot of drug dealers, and we go to arrest somebody, and we don't know what kind of reception we're going to get. Uh, the, the reasons also were given for the no-knock search warrant, so the, the suspect could not destroy evidence, and I'm assuming that they were talking about drugs. And that that started a whole new way of the police when they were serving warrants in this country. And I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm asking you, Lance, is whatever happened to the Gold Shield guys that would actually do the tailing and the observing, and they would gather the facts, and, and many times they could spider web out, okay, this guy is dealing here, okay, who's supplying him there? They were knocking off small-time drug dealers, but that set a precedent of the no-knock warrants, search warrants, being executed in this country. What about that? One? No-knock search warrants have been no-knock search warrants have been in existence for well over three decades. Yeah. And no-knock search warrants are not every search warrant. Matter of fact, in in most states, Georgia specifically says that they have to knock and announce yeah. prior to making entry. So right. there's generally a an additional added burden that they have to satisfy before a neutral and impartial magistrate before they can execute a no-knock search warrant. And I would disagree with you about one thing. In order to get a no-knock search warrant, it's not that you don't know what type of reception you're going to get. In order to satisfy that check the box on the uh, for the magistrate, you have to be able to convince the magistrate to a reasonable degree of certainty called probable cause that you know what kind of reception you're going to get, and it's going to be a very violent reception. So when you talk about the people, I, I forget the term you use, spiderwebbing out and arresting small drug dealers, that, I don't know why you don't believe that's still done today. That is absolutely done. 
But the problem no, I didn't know. No, no, a counselor. Now, come on now. Let, let's stop. I did not say that. That's not what I said. I said. Well, you said what happened to the days of doing that? Yeah. Well, uh, and they still what, do it. Yeah, they still do it. But what we're seeing is a higher incidence of no-knock warrants. There's no knock. There's no announce. These are surprise. They use the door busters or they use the shotgun to blow the doors off the hinges. And, you know, I'm not saying that this is happening everywhere, every single day in America. But what I am saying to you is these guys get the wrong houses. These guys bust in, surprise people, and shots are fired, and people are dead. And that is unfortunate. About, it is unfortunate, but you're talking about an incredibly small um, percentage of these, and no-knock search warrants are a small percentage of search warrants. The problem that you're dealing with, and you wonder why the, you know, and this is where we want to have people that want to legalize drugs, everything about the drug trade is violent. Everything about it. And we have people that are attracted to it who prefer to do business with violence. So if you're going to hit a drug house and you're going to arrest people who are not just a, a small dealer who's dealing to people on a bus stop or dealing to people at their office, you're talking about people who are dealing drugs in massive quantities. You can guarantee they're convicted felons, probably in possession of firearms. That's what they do. Yeah, well, I like I said, I was a child of the 60s, and I remember peace, love, and dope. You never saw a gun. <laughs> At any rate, I got the bottom of the hour break here. We're talking today with Lance LaRusso, and um, he's got a website. LaRussoLawFirm.net We'll be right back. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to RepublicBroadcasting.org Is the Second Amendment your line in the sand? Is the United States Constitution important to you? Are you worried about gun confiscation? You need to join us for free at gunconfiscation.com. At gunconfiscation.com, you will meet like-minded patriots, get the latest Second Amendment news, and find anything you need to prepare for gun confiscation. Visit gunconfiscation.com today. That's gunconfiscation.com. Which side are you on? Talk Right, the conservative app offered by TalkStream Live that caters exclusively to the conservative talk radio community. Here you'll see only talk shows and podcasts from the conservative right. All the big broadcast names and online digital shows in one place. Talk Right makes it easy to find all your favorite conservative talkers with all the upscale features you come to expect from TalkStream Live. Keep up with the fast-paced political world. Download Talk Right today from Google Play or the App Store. Did you know that you can be tracked and traced when you're online? With identity theft and cybercrimes on the rise, your passwords, your identity, and even your physical location can be revealed to complete strangers. Would you like to surf the Internet anonymously and not have to worry about these threats? Well, now you can by visiting PatriotInternet.com. For about $2 per month, PatriotInternet.com will conceal your IP address and your physical location, allowing you to browse the web, send emails, and instant message anonymously. PatriotInternet.com will bypass 
filters, block sites, and keyword blocking. You can also bypass logging by your router and your ISP. With PatriotInternet.com, there is no software to install and uses 128-bit encryption for your protection. When using wireless hotspots, PatriotInternet.com shields your information from identity thieves and is compatible with Windows, Mac, and Linux. Protect your identity and your freedom with anonymous Internet access from PatriotInternet.com. Visit PatriotInternet.com today. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Hey guys, I just want to let you know, this is Diana Live, and I was getting ready to go to the governor's house. So I'm here in Swampscott, and you, you're not going to believe what's going on. I want to show you what's going on here. Um, you're, not, you're just not going to believe this. You are not going to believe what's going on. This is tyranny. What are you guys doing? For people to walk in one direction? Correct. Okay, this this is insanity. You know this. Oh, you're well aware of it. What the? God, this is crazy. You know what happens when you blow people authority? Like selectmen and stuff. Who's the um, town manager for Swampscott? And I, I bet he supports Charlie Baker. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're, we're just told to do it. <laughs> we're out here doing it. Uh, Swamp Scott, Massachusetts, the town manager thought this would be a good idea. Um, rolling around here, Lance, to the, uh, COVID-19, uh, police officers being asked to, well, pretty much violate First Amendment, you know, Fourth Amendment, whatever else. And even the police union in New York City, as asked the governor, Governor Cuomo, what the hell do you have us out here doing? What? Why are we doing this? Now, you're familiar, I'm sure, uh, with Greg Anderson, a SeaTac police officer that put the video out. Yep, you guys sent a link to it. Okay. Um, Nine-minute video. Here's a cop that says, wait a minute. You know, I was in Fallujah. I was... I was in special operations. I know what that's like. When he was law enforcement in Los Angeles, I guess this pretty much soured the guy, but he ended up being a police officer for the uh, Seattle SeaTac, uh, the uh, police department up there. And he made this video, and his command told him, wow, 
uh, geez, you got a lot of hits off of that. And then he'd get more phone calls going, okay, well, you've gotten 400,000 hits. Uh, you know, you've had your fun, take it down. And he said, no, I can't. He made that, he made that video. He released it on YouTube, but that was specifically for law enforcement. And his thing was, just as a lot of people, uh, the further divide between law enforcement and the citizenry. And he, if this is allowed, now I'm not a prognosticator, I don't have a crystal ball, but I am, I am surprised that this COVID-19 exercise, which, by the way, through our own research, uh, they've, they've, they've bumped the numbers up, the official numbers today, from John Hopkins and NBC News, is 91,000 people have died of the coronavirus in this country, which is total poppycock. People went out with their recording devices and their iPhones. The local news would do a story in their own town. People grabbed their stuff the next day. They went out to these hospitals and going, where's the crisis? Millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars are being spent for a pandemic that didn't happen. And it's got a lot of people on edge. And I'm, to be honest with you, Lance, I'm really surprised that this is not shall we use the term incubated a situation to the point of boil over? I, I mean, I, I would not want to be a cop in today's world. There's no way in God's green earth would I want to strap on a six gun and pin a badge on my ch- uh, chest and go out on the streets of America right now. Things are getting a lot worse, and I don't see them getting any better. We see the lunatics we have in politics, I, for them, it's a socialist utopia is the best idea. I, I'm, people are at the stress and the breaking point. And I would not want to be a cop. Around here in Round Rock, they're sitting around in, in gaggles. A call comes in, you got six or eight cops show up because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> Evidently, the criminals are, are sheltering in place. I don't know. Well, we don't have a high crime incident down here in Round Rock, Texas, anyhow, but... Um, It just seems to be a lot of assets just sitting there idling with nothing much to do, but they're being asked to do some things that aren't aren't really comfortable. That's what we talked about at the top of the hour. You know, the officers understand their oath. They take their oath seriously. And then somebody's asking them to go up to a group of people who are gathering peacefully. Um, Sometimes they may be approaching a government installation to, uh, you know, protest and seeking a redress of grievances. Uh, All of that is protected by the First Amendment, and these officers are in a quandary and saying, well, you know, what authority do I have to tell people disperse when they're not doing anything illegal, they're not doing anything improper? So it's it's placed them into uh, into a very difficult spot. And then the question also that you have, people, you know, deal with laws on a regular basis that they're familiar with. These emergency actions that are being put in place, the uh, emergency orders so far as everything from um, the uh, number of people that can be in a certain building or restricting access to hospital ERs unless uh, certain uh, precautions are being taken, um, government buildings being closed down. You know, there are parts of statutes, uh, emergency orders, that are not used very often. We saw them going, I think, running amok in uh, New Orleans when we had 
uh, police officers disarming people. Right. In reaction to that, the state of Georgia and several other states following Katrina passed statutes and said, no, you're not allowed to do that. There is no emergency power that will authorize you to limit the uh, possession or carrying of firearms. So, you know, the, that's why I was talking at the beginning, that the intersection of law and policy is a very important thing to me. And we've gone over several situations that really led me to write uh, the book When Cops Kill or uh, Blue News. Because if officers don't tell their own story, if they don't get information out, what you have is uh, bad facts gone amok. The best example is the one that you brought up of uh, Michael Brown being shot and killed. Mm -hmm. If you stop 100 people on the street and ask them how many times Michael Brown was shot in the back, you'll get a number. Mm -hmm. Michael Brown was never shot in the back. Right. It's not even a close call. He was never shot in the back. Uh, the whole hands up, don't shoot was just built on a lie. And, you know, we donate the profits to law enforcement charities. To date, we've donated about $28,000 to law enforcement charities. But part of the issue is the old philosophy of law enforcement of keep the facts close to the vest, investigate, give an opportunity for witnesses to come forward, make sure you have some sort of protection um, of the fact so they don't get compromised when a witness comes up and they've seen something on TV, and then you have to vet them. But what we've seen now is that that 10 seconds of video that gets released not only sets the narrative but controls the narrative going forward, and it's very difficult to go backwards. I've had many officers who have faced death threats over what were absolutely justified shootings. They did absolutely nothing wrong. Hmm. No, I no, I get your point about it's a it's a narrow field, and the information is there, and that's all you get to see. But there have been subsequent follow-ups, investigations that are done. I, I mean, gosh, I, I, Lance, I don't know how to put this to you, but I've been doing this for thirty years, and I have seen story after horrendous story where it's not an innocent cop; it's a guy that uh, got himself in a situation he didn't exactly follow department policy didn't keep a cool head didn't call for backup or whatever the case may be shooting suspects in the back as they're running away these things happen and yes the news media gets a hold of them and blows them out of proportion which agitates groups of people in this country i get that but what also is not being admitted is that you know we've got a situation where they're telling the police in morning lineups, you know, it's your job to stay safe. Okay, your first priority is to make sure you ho make it home to mama and the kids. And I understand that sediment. But I also understand that your first priority of being a police officer is not just to end your shift and go home safe. There's, there's a lot of intermediary stuff that goes along there. But I think this has put a fear factor, as I call it, the, the pucker factor, out there on the streets of America. And by and large, uh, I don't know if the, I can't poll everybody, but there seems to be a shift just as people, their trust is broken down in the institutions of America. There's a distrust with law enforcement. Once that happens, that thin blue line is like an old dried out rubber band. You pull on it hard enough, it's going to snap and you ain't going to put it back together. It's not even worth tying back together. But we have those incidences as well. And, and, and it strikes me, since you're from Georgia and you say peace officer, why is it law enforcement, enforce, enforce? Doesn't that seem to up the ante a little bit? Doesn't it's just a word. It's just a word. 
It's just a word. Just it a... describes what they do. I'm a counselor at law. I don't counsel people every day. I mean, law enforcement is a profession. That's what they do. They enforce the law. Okay. All right. Um, your book, sir. So there's several books. Um, the When Cops Kill is about officer-involved shootings and critical incidents, whether it's uh, something that happens on or off duty. And we interviewed officers who had been uh, involved in shootings, officers who had been shot in the line of duty, and family members who got the call they dreaded. And we explained what happens after the smoke clears and really kind of explained to the public it's not just a short, quick investigation. These investigations take months. The officer doesn't just say, well, I was in fear of my life and everybody shuts everything down. There's actual um, analysis that goes on. It's a full-blown homicide investigation. And Blue News, as we talked about, was really designed to allow people to understand how to communicate better, law enforcement and the media. And we have another book called Peacemaking, which is about a cop's walk with Christ. And I've represented a lot of officers who were very, very religious and were forced to take a life to protect a third person or protect themselves. And it really turns their value system upside down when they were forced to take a life when they grew up hearing thou shalt not kill uh, from their pastor every Sunday. So these books are available um, on YouTube. They're available at Lance LaRusso Books. And as I said, the profits from those three books support law enforcement charities. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Lance, very much. Um, thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, sir. All right. That's it. I couldn't get too much more out of it. He took a position, and he was not yielding. He's a lawyer. Okay? And I get that. And I see the type of law that he practices. So I, I there was no reason to really continue uh, the interview. I pretty much, I didn't expect quite the response I got from him, especially since I sent him that Greg Anderson video, nine-minute video, and he had very little to say about it. Now, I don't know, <laughs> this must be looking at the world through the eyes of a lawyer. Uh, he's protecting his field. Um, he practices a certain type of law, and he's chosen to protect officers. And like anybody else in this country, folks, whatever your job is, you have the right of a defense. I'm not trying to take that away from anybody. But I have seen case after case after case, and it's just not 10 seconds of video. No, it was a bad shoot. Somebody died. And I wanted to get into the issue of force continuum, what these guys are being fed by the FBI, but I, it was... Folks, I, I just decided it was at one point here, this this was going to yield very little of anything. So, I give you that. Damn, I'm disappointed. I thought the guy would, you know, at least dig in a little bit. But, Jerry in Chicago. Hello, Jerry. I didn't let you get to get you uh, to get to ask a question here of our... Um, law enforcement attorney well it led into two when he just closed out with uh, they're just following the law and everything else like that and i wanted to add i'll start with that one they follow rules regulations statutes codes policies revisions they are community orientated policing service cops 
They are police, which is short for policy. Who makes policies, administrations, corporations? Yeah. And where you drive through every day, you're going to see different townships in your neighborhood, which are incorporated. They're there for a profit. And you are the guinea pig that they're going to take the money from. The other thing I was going to say was, you know what? Not all cops are bad, but every every good cop knows of at least one bad cop. And I was going to leave it with that. Yeah, and 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 you know what? I, I I didn't see any point in taking calls because I knew what the calls were going to be. Um, it if you're not going to comment on Greg Anderson's powerful message, Jerry, I, I said I sat and read every one of the posts on his website that was put up on GoFundMe. Every one of them, and I didn't find one complaint or somebody that just donated a dollar just to get up there and complain and call everybody whack jobs. I I, I think there's a misunderstanding of who the patriots are in America and what they're willing to do to preserve their liberty and their freedom. I was was dying to tell the, the attorney here that, well, you know, back in the 90s, I was one of the first couple of guys that started the militias countrywide. I was never arrested. I was never investigated for doing this because I knew I was not breaking the law. The unorganized militia is just as lawful as the the organized militia, which used to be the state guard, which has been basically federalized, but still at the behest mm-hmm. of the governor of the state, the respective state. There wasn't uh, there wasn't anything else I could say to this guy that I was going to move him off of law enforcement versus peace officer. And he's the one that brought it up. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to nail the guy once he's not on the air here, but it, it went pretty much as expected. Well, you know, John, you just mentioned peace officer. If they were peace officers versus law enforcement officers, they would only be called out if there was a personal attack or an assault against one's personal property or their person. That's what a peace officer used to do. Well, and and Lance even admitted, he said, these cops are being asked to do all sorts of things that have nothing to do with policing. And I I would be in agreement with that. But again, as you pointed out, what is policy? Eh, Comes from the policing, comes administratively, doesn't necessarily come by way of the legislature and a damn vote of record. See, this is how we used to decide who were good people and bad people and who to decide to vote in uh, and, and whatever election, you know, any town USA, we'd look at the guy's record. Okay, how's he voted? Well, hell, that's a pretty lousy voting record. I think I'll vote for the guy that's running against him. He looks a little bit better than him, so I think I'll go for him. Jerry, he just didn't seem to get it. I And, and I don't think there was anything I was going to say uh, to really get into a conversation mano y mano or man to man. This was talk show host and lawyer. So. Well, I heard the whole hour, John, and I agree with you. So, hey, thanks for a lot for taking my call, and uh, let me get off until you can accept other ones. Thank you, Jerry. Tired of being lied to by mass media? It's growing more and more apparent today that news is received less and less through standard media outlets. Even with a growing audience every day, RBN is beginning to direct more efforts into social media. Social media and the use of the Internet is fast becoming the primary source of people for news, regardless of demographic. 
RBN has set out to provide some of the best news on the Internet through republicbroadcasting.org and also has begun to use the tools to our advantage by way of social media. Republic Broadcasting is now operating a Facebook page to function as yet another avenue to have our collective voice reach new audiences across not only America, but across the globe as well. The Facebook page features not only news, but also an RBN player to listen to our broadcast. Get involved by visiting Facebook.com slash Republic Broadcasting and liking our page and share it with your friends and family because you can handle the truth. Extend your life with Extendovite, a seven-herb combination made from garlic, cayenne, bilberry, hawthorn, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. Each herb was chosen for their abilities to help improve irregular heartbeats, chest pain, lower cholesterol, as well as normalize blood pressure and clean and strengthen arteries, plus much, much more. Doctors have taken people off of some or all of their pills just because they believe their patients got better while taking Extendivite. Get the dependability of Extendivite. Just see how you feel in six months. A two-month supply of either capsules or liquid is only $69.95 plus shipping and handling. Call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. It's happening, ladies and gentlemen. We here at RBN are working with Front Sight Firearms Training Institute to bring our audience the best in combat, tactical, and defensive firearms training. Whether you're a private citizen who is new to firearms or you have a concealed weapon permit and want a level of training that surpasses what you've received from your local gun range, Front Sight provides priceless education and skills taught by seasoned law enforcement, military, and private citizen instructors to levels that far exceed law enforcement and military standard. With nearly a million responsible citizens trained from every town, city, and state from across the United States, Front Sight has bolstered the Patriot movement to a whole new level. Contact Dan Sutterfield by phone at 573-762-2356 or 573-465-2356 or shoot him an email at domedan, D-O-M-E-D-A-N, at hotmail.com. This is a limited-time opportunity. Don't miss it. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't like the response. This, folks, this no-knock stuff was born literally out of L.A., which they have a violence and drug problem, that's for sure. But, okay, to equate the all dealers in this country that they've got drug houses and are armed to the teeth and are willing to kill anything that walks through the door, are there some instances like that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I come from a different time. Where, yeah, I was aware of drug dealers in my community. But they were wearing bell-bottoms and shoulder-length hair and giving the peace sign. They weren't out there with guns killing people. <laughs> and this is what led me to times have changed. They have certainly changed. And here was a cop that was specifically talking to other officers about that constitutional issue of what to enforce. And if it's unconstitutional, don't enforce it. I have seen, I, I've got 
video of my own Round Rock Police Department that lost a pretty big lawsuit over the fact uh, of one individual and his rights. He was actually on a public sidewalk taking pictures of the Round Rock Police Department. And, of course, Round Rock came out, confronted the guy, arrested him, threw him in jail. The guy turned around and sued him for a violation of his constitutional rights, which he had every right to do what he was doing. So when we talk about abuses here, because a cop might raise his hand while reading something and going, yeah, okay, yeah, I I do. Is that really taken to heart? I just couldn't move him off that spot that we could have a real conversation. Laura in Michigan. Hello, Laura. Hi, John. Hi. I just want, I was hoping you were going to ask, let me ask him a question. And what it is, is I was going to ask you if you belong to the Masonic Lodge. Here's the reason I asked that. I've noticed in my area, many of the attorneys belong to the lodge, and also many of the police officers do. And I observed many of the police officers got away with a lot of things that they shouldn't have because a fellow lodge member won't go after, you know, their fellow brother or whatever it is. Anyway, also, you know, it's a lot of cars. They always had a, in the back, they always had a, they let people know that they're a member of the Masonic Lodge. They've got that symbol on the back. Yeah. Because if they get pulled over, they usually don't get a ticket. Well, if you've noticed something, if you've noticed something, that symbology, you don't see that anymore. Uh, ever since the stories start coming out about the wonderful lodge members, uh, they have pretty much up and disappeared. <laughs> so, at any rate. Well, I think I've just seen it happen when they get away with things because they're a lodge member. Well, and see, we, they're, weren't, they're, they're, we, we, weren't, their... we weren't going to get to that point. That's why I didn't include any callers. Because I was very, right. I was very gingerly stepping around this, trying to draw the man out, and he wasn't right. going to come out. He was going to maintain his lawyer position, and you know what does he do? He defends cops that they're in trouble for uh, a questionable shooting or whatever the case may be, and he wasn't going to admit. He was not going to admit that there's shootings out there that take place that yeah, people get upset about. Because the one thing that you cannot do in this life. Once you take another person's life, is restore that life. You, it's an impossibility. Once somebody shuts you down, you're down for the count. All right, Laura, I got top of the hour here. Thank you very much. One more thing, John. And I thank you very much for your call. I got top of the hour break. We got to go.
What would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com, and hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth, truth.